So if you have somebody that you're feeling that that you know that's you know feeling down and stuff, question them. You know, don't say anything. It, it, there's ways to do it and ways not to. The way not to is, hey man, you, you're not fe- you're not feeling like you want to end it all, do you? That's no no. But just ask them right out. Are you saying you don't want to live anymore? Something like that. Or something, you know, maybe they're not having those kinds of thoughts, but just saying, thinking to themselves, they don't want to wake up in the morning. Ask them that. Do you ever have the feeling that you don't want to wake up in the morning? And then talk with them and listen to them. That's so important. Just being there for someone. There's one thing that everyone has in common who has these types of feelings of ending their lives. You know, whether they are seriously contemplating doing it, whether they have a failed attempt, or whether they've actually done it and succeeded. There's one thing that ties them all together. They feel they have no hope of getting through whatever problems it is they're facing at that one particular moment. Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm happy to welcome Mr. Colin Hughes here. Um, He also has a podcast, but we're going to talk about a subject that is kind of close to me. And uh, I know it is close to him, but I'm going to let him further explain. And before that, Colin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've always been a man who's gone after my dreams. I had three dreams as a child, be a cowboy, be a pilot, and to be an actor. I rode bulls for 18 years, many of those years professionally against some of the top top legends in the sport of professional rodeo, like Donnie Gate, Time World's champion bull rider, Lane Frost, a uh, guy who the movie made after him after he died in the arena at Cheyenne, Wyoming, and he was a world's champion. And the list goes on and on. You know, some of the biggest legends in the sport. So I got to live out that dream. I'm now a, uh, I'm a retired airline pilot now. Dream oh, wow. number two come, came true. And also, I am a voice actor and working with a goal to get in front of the camera as well. So. Doing all three. Oh, cool. I've actually had some voice actors on the show. And, and you know what? They're some of the more entertaining videos that I have. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, well, Colin, something brings us here today. As I said, it's something that's close to both of us. If you would uh, kind of tell your story. Well, like I said, um, I'm always, I've always been somebody who's gone after what I wanted in life. But June 10th. 2022, my world came to a screeching halt when I got a phone call that my 15-year-old granddaughter had ended her own life, and she was just the, she was this amazing, wonderful, fun-loving, always this big smile on her face, and and tell tell you about her smile just just reminded me of a story of we took her to Hawaii when she was twelve years old and took her for a swim with the dolphins place that was there on Oahu. So we have this picture of her right up, you know, like she's hugging the neck of the dolphin, this huge smile on her face, and Donnie Gay, the eight time world's champion bull rider, told you about. When I posted that, you know, keep in mind, he's never met any of my family. And uh, he just put on there, he says, I'd know that smile anywhere. (laughs) And that meant so much to me for him, you know, because it just for him to say something like that, it just. uh, And my wife has always said that she could see my smile on her face like that. And it's just. But it's. I know it's hard to talk about, so take your time. But that's, I, I've always been a good public speaker. Something I learned about this day is that 
give you an example. I got to go back in history a little bit. When I stopped riding bulls, I picked up the microphone and started to announce rodeos. Found out that I love the microphone and the microphone loves me. Most people do not like public speaking. You put me, you put me in a stadium filled with twenty thousand screaming fans or more, and I'm like, yeah, we're about to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I I have wondered for the greater part of my adult life, why have I been given this talent? I've been saved from death. Was in seconds of dying on a couple different occasions. As a child, I nearly drowned. Oh I thought gosh. I was taking my last breath when somebody reached in, grabbed my arm, and pulled me out. Another time I was crossing a road, and a buddy of mine, my nickname is Goose, buddy of mine yelled out, Goose, get back! And I just stepped, took a half step back, and a car just, you know, 60 miles an hour or more. I could feel the wind rush off of it as it went past. So I've always wondered, why am I being saved with this gift? It, it's got to be for more than just announcing rodeos. Mm-hmm. There's there's a greater good in there somewhere. There's been so many times I'd come up with ideas and start to put presentations together, motivational, this, this. None of them just really felt like, no, I don't think I could really get out there and do any good with this topic, whatever it was. But the morning of June 10th of last year, my phone rang and it was my, my daughter's caller ID. So I pick it up. Hey, honey, how you doing? And it was her husband's voice on the phone. And I knew that something was wrong instantly. And when he told me what happened to my granddaughter, at first I just started screaming and yelling and and crying harder than I ever had my entire life. My wife is a social worker and was working from home that day with um, video therapy with, with people. And she, it took her a few minutes, but she finally came out of the room and she saw that something was wrong. And I told her, and of course, then she broke down crying. But at first she says, she was thinking, oh, he's a voice actor. He's probably doing one of those loud voices in there. <laughs> and uh, that's how loud it was. But within the first few seconds of hearing that news, it dawned on me. I know what I'm supposed to do now. Um, I need to be a voice for those who have no hope and reach out to them because it's part of a a training course that I took online a couple of weeks ago, QPR, question, persuade, refer. So if you have somebody that you're feeling that, that you know, that's, you know, feeling down and stuff, question them, you know, don't say anything. It, it, there's ways to do it and ways not to the way not to. Says, hey man, you, you're not, fe- you're not feeling like you want to end it all. Do you? That's no, no, but just ask them, right out are you saying you don't want to live anymore something like that or something you know maybe they're not having those kinds of thoughts but just saying thinking to themselves they don't want to wake up in the morning ask them that you do you ever have the feeling that you don't want to wake up in the morning and then talk with them and listen to them That's so important, just being there for someone. There's one thing that everyone has in common who has these types of feelings of ending their lives. You know, whether they are seriously contemplating doing it, whether they have a failed attempt, or whether they've actually done it and succeeded. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that ties them all together. They feel they have no hope of getting through whatever problems it is they're facing 
at that one particular moment. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives them to it. Mm-hmm. But if you sit there, you talk with them and listen, just listen. And they'll say, oh, man, I just, I just don't feel there's anything worth it anymore. It's, that's that feeling of no hope. And listen and then just let them know that, yeah, you know, you know what? Start to get them to the point to where you persuade them to get help after they realize that, yeah, help, help can do something good for them and then refer them. And if you can take them to the referral yourself. <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah, that's the best way to do it. But uh, I I'm putting together some keynote speech presentations right now that I can go out and and hopefully find you know help people. One of the, one of the one of the areas I'm going to be touching on a lot is aviation. Is you know retired airline pilot and the subject of mental illness and aviation is so it's well what's the word I'm looking for it's used a lot many yeah it's almost it's almost taboo to even say it really in aviation one of the questionnaires on the FAA medical certificate that that uh, pilots have to take is you know if you've ever had mental illness such as depression. And I've had to check that box. And trying to get people in aviation to check that box, even if they have had it, they're not going to do it. Right. Because up until, up in 2011, there were only, well, up until 2011, pilots could not be on any antidepressants, period. That's it. If you say that you were on Prozac, guess what? You're grounded. That's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you go to a doctor and they wean you off of it. Then for 90 days after you're off the medications and everything's going well, a doctor can write a note to your, to the FAA approved medical examiner that you go to for your medical. And it's addressed to the FAA itself, stating that, you know, this is why this person was on antidepressants as it was a situational and temporary type of diagnosis for depression. You know, like losing someone close to you would certainly be one way. Yeah. And then you're, you're good to go unless the FAA wanted to look into it further. Then in 2011, the FAA approved four antidepressants. Now, I had gone in in 2008. I grounded myself. I was flying charter out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I grounded myself to go on antidepressants at the time. Mm-hmm. And what I did is uh, most people, most people, you know, thought it was a little weird, maybe. My wife says, I did it be out of boredom. <laughs> but I put on a mask, a bag over my head with eyes cut out of it, with my uniform on, and made a YouTube video. Says, I am the Prozac pilot. <laughs> <laughs> it went on explaining, you know, that uh, what pilots go through who suffer from depression <laughs> in 2011 when the news of the FAA approving med- medical uh, medications came out mm-hmm. my phone lit up CNN inside edition and on and on and on so I've been on CNN like, oh, like three or four times inside edition once I'll never go back on that they want to make you know sensationalize it oh of course <laughs> oh yeah that's what it, sells it, oh yeah yeah it was i mean, I, think, I think i remember the uh last part of that one interview is it says 
And but now everything's everything he seems to be doing fine. Or is he? Oh Lord, something like that. I can't remember, but I was like, what? <laughs> of course, they want to make it as controversial as possible. Yeah, I'm like, and then there was some other times. I think when uh, that German wings pilot crashed the airplane and into the mountainside. Mm-hmm. My phone lit up then. Inside Edition got a hold of me. I says, no, I'll never go back on with you guys. No, thank you. Yeah. And there was another incident that happened. They, I says, nope, don't contact me, please. Uh-uh, not going to go. <laughs> well, they've also got a documentary on Netflix about that, uh, was it MH370 or 377 or something? I forgot what it's called. Have you seen All it? The, the one that that disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's speculation that one of the pilots, um, uh, may have committed by pilot. Yeah. So I'm, that's extremely rare, extremely rare, but the, most of the people, German wings pilot, you know, he was very young and hadn't had a lot of time to be, you know, be watched and evaluated and, as far as as far as that went, like all the people I've flown with, you know, they've been around the industry. You know, it, it's through time and evaluation that you know it, a training instructor can pick up on something at an airline or there's something not right with this guy <laughs> yeah. or different things. But it's a uh, but it's so taboo. Back to my granddaughter, it just another thing I did is I got into my sound booth right after right afterwards and I made this video of myself pleading with people her age, telling them this is what you're gonna leave behind. My wife can't even watch this video because she says it's it's so raw and painful. Yeah. I understand. Now I've got um created two websites that are part of them is a memorial to my granddaughter. The one page has a lot of links on it for people to, if they need help. And on the first page I wrote, I call her an essay about the, the serial killer look that lurks in the dark. Mm. And those websites are, so the the URL on it is very interesting. You know, I when I was creating the website, I looked at stopsuicide.com, taken, stopsuicide.org, taken, stop suicide, this, stop this, stop this, stop this, all all taken, even with stop teen suicide, all taken. And then, you know, gives you some suggestions in the drop-down box below, and there was dot life. Hmm. So I thought that was so cool that I now that I now own uh, the websites stop teen dot life and stops dot life yeah. and they're both it's the same site you know they just you know mirror each other is all stop dot life is the main one then stop teens dot life just is just reflected over to it. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Uh, as I told you before, I, I'm, I mean, that's a subject that's close to me because, uh, well, first off, let me say that I, I did attempt to end myself several times, especially as a teenager. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, but we yeah. can't, we can't see the future 
really as a child, when it comes to problems, you only see what's going on right then and there. You think it's never going to end. That That's that whatever. I say no hope. There's yeah, no there's, hope for, yeah. There is no hope. And I mean, fortunately I failed and uh, you know, if somebody really wants to end it all, they normally don't go tell people that's what they're going to do. They don't want anybody to know that they're going to. I mean, they may be signs of it, but they're not going to come out and say it because they go, they want to do it. They're serious. And that's the way I was. I didn't leave a note. Uh, you know, I just I not, tried to be somewhere where I'd be alone and a couple of times it was just I didn't take enough pills. It just made me sick for several days. Or I was fortunate enough that someone walked in and found me and got me to the hospital in time. As in as time went on, um I told you before that I I'd gotten help, but my father at age 47, my father ended his life. And my brother and I talked about it. And I said, don't don't ever do that to me. And he promised me he would never do anything like that. Right. And I believed him. And it was about two years later, almost three years later, he, uh, he hung himself. That's what my granddaughter did. Oh, my God. And I, I just, I can't imagine because those last few seconds has to be terrifying for you that you can't breathe you can't catch that gasp of air but there my sometime, daughter go ahead sorry, sorry. go ahead. Oh, i was just going to say sometimes you you look down and you feel down but people think you're just it's something you're going to get over we need to make we need to give it attention um uh, I'll, I'll give you kind of a a uh, a similarity or a comparison. I worked in the water department, and I got a little cut on my finger or on my hand. It's just a little cut. Mm -hmm. I think eh, it's no big deal. You know, I'm a guy. I can I'll get over it. Went home, kind of cleaned it up a little bit, put a bandage on it, went to bed. But then I woke up in the middle of the night, sweating. My hand was swollen up like three or four times its size. I mean, it was ridiculous. It looked like a cartoon hand. He went into the hospital, and they had to get in there, and they had to clean it up and give me antibiotics and all that stuff. But then I got better. Well, that's kind of the way it is with people who are depressed that feel like they want to end it all, is that there's this, you know, a sign of something, and you think it's not a big deal, but then it ends up being a big deal. And that's why they need to go. They need to go to get help. And sometimes medication is part of that help. Mental illness as a topic has such a stigma attached to it for some reason. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it used to be people didn't talk about it at all, but now it's coming out more and more and more as yeah. it needs. One of the things you've heard of in the past is, somebody's depressed and somebody will say, well, man, just suck it up. Yeah. That's, that's just it. Especially with guys. And, man and up. I, I heard, I heard a good comeback that says, well, how about if I just took a bat to your knees and broke your legs says, man, walk it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, well, well, was there any indication that there was a problem when it came to your granddaughter? No, not at all. And some of the things I've learned recently too is with youth, a lot of times some of these kids just haven't learned how to deal with, with life, mm -hmm. how to deal with problems. You know, things have just been, Oh yeah, you can do it all. You can do it. You can do it. You know? And it, it, it's not always, it's not always, you know, the goth kids or the, you know, the kids that you think would be in trouble all the time that are ending it. It's, it's not, it's not that way. It's a lot of times it's the kids with all the pressure on them, mm -hmm. pressure to succeed, the star athlete, 
I was, I found out a few years ago about um, a classmate of mine when I graduated high school in 1975. You know, he was a star athlete. Uh, and if I remember correctly, he ranked up very high in the state of Iowa in wrestling in his weight division. And great student. And, uh, you know, I was in Iowa. I haven't lived there for a long time. And somebody I connected with on Facebook from my class told me that this person had ended it all. And I thought, man, he'd be the last person I'd expect, you know, because he was successful. He was. But it's it seems to be a lot of those people that think, you know, they get into these situations and they just. Like let's take let's take a teenager for example. They've always been told that that they can do anything they want to. But then some of the things that they don't hear is, if you want something, you're going to have to work for it. Can you achieve it? Yes, but it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to learn how to overcome hardships mm-hmm. to be that star athlete to be that straight a student to be this to be that you can do it if you work hard enough and you learn to persevere and overcome mike was that there's a quote by michael michael jordan when he played basketball you know he says you know i have ten thousand free throw failures and this many successful ones. And the number of failures far, far, far exceeded his successful ones. Hey, that's that's one of the, that's the one of the greatest names in basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. But if if somebody doesn't learn how to persevere and push through and improve, say that straight A student all of a sudden gets a C. Oh. Their world at that time, they feel, has just collapsed. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. And, you know, the, you know, they think their parents are going to end them all right then. <laughs> Once yeah. they see, oh, no, you know, my parents, they'll do this to me. And it just, <laughs> yeah. And they don't know how to cope with it. They feel there's no hope. Beyond that sea, they're, that's it. They're doomed. And I just, I myself, I don't get that kind of, of mentality. Well, you know, my, my wife that I'm married to now, she has two daughters. Mm-hmm. And when they were little, I mean, she could discipline them. And it wouldn't really sink in. But the moment she says, I'm very disappointed in you, it <laughs> it it hurt like a dagger to the heart. And when you feel like you're disappointing people, that gets magnified in your own mind. I mean, you get stuck in your own head. And, then, you know, another problem is, is bipolar disorder seems to be very rampant in this society and i don't know why that goes up but when you are when you're bipolar your highs are very high but Uh your lows are very lows and it doesn't matter what that low is it gets to be low and i don't Uh want triggers in your mind that makes you think that way but that's part of the problem you know and especially if you don't want to just to uh disappoint your family Man, that that just—I'm not saying that's what she had, but I mean that—that's—that's yeah, a it, problem. There's a few things that I I normally talk about in these interviews. One of them absolutely needs to be brought brought up, and that's um, if anywhere in the United States, if someone is at that point that they feel they just have no hope that they can't move forward and they're, you know, at risk for this dangerous type of self-harm. There used to be a long number for that hotline. 
And who's going to remember that? But that, but now it's made very, very easy. You can text or call nine eight eight. You know, everybody's known nine one one for many, many, many years. But oh yeah, text or call nine eight eight. Very simple nine eight eight. Oh, and if I haven't said that number, that number is nine eight eight. Text or call twenty four seven. Somebody's there. And get that help if you need it. Another thing, some people, I didn't grow up in a house where I felt a lot of love. And there's a lot of people today that have, you know, in, in homes further, far worse than what I grew up in. And so many of these people, I'm guessing, you know, feel that there's no hope in life or no love in life. And if you're feeling that down, you just got to find something positive. Yeah. If, you know, find somebody that you can talk to. And I'm not talking about your friends down on the street corner or in the bar that you hang out in or the rowdy kids at school that you hang out with, you know, for, for acting out and, and release of, of the pain that you feel inside. I'm talking to find something positive in your life. Go somewhere positive, you know, go to a church, go to a synagogue, go to a mosque, go to a, a youth center, somewhere where you can find somebody that will tell you there is hope, there is love. Hope and love do exist in this life. You know, all the things that have been going on in life recently, you know, from 2020, the riots and on and on and on and, and all the hate that's been spewed on TV with, it's just it yeah. it gets people thinking, man, why do I want to live in this world? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. The world is a beautiful place. My wife and I, 17 years together, and such joy I find in being with her. When I lost my granddaughter, I've had three major tragedies of family loved ones, my life, each one of them resulted in what I call a miracle. That's how, that's how I came up with the name of my podcast, The Miracles of Tragedy. Because tragedy number one, my oldest daughter died of cancer January 29th, 2015. Mm. And she was a daughter that was from before I was married. My, you know, my sowing my wild oats days, and didn't get to know her and introduced her until she was fifteen years old. And uh, so she just grew up angry, not wanting anything to do with me. And she'd come in, we talk a little stuff like that, and. I hadn't talked to her in a few years once she reached out through Facebook and contacted me when she was diagnosed. Over the next four or five years, she's in and out of the hospital. I'd go out there, you know, flying for an airline. You know, I'd just dump on a flight for free and go there when she's going into a surgery and be there for her. And so I got, you know, that closeness with her and I got to know my oldest granddaughter who's now, who is now in college and will graduate next year. So it's, and I have a good relationship with that granddaughter now. So that's tragedy one, miracle one. Yeah. 2017, back up earlier in my life, my first marriage, I had four daughters mm -hmm. and I was still following in the footsteps of my father, drinking and chasing women, which of course led to the divorce of, from my first wife. She married somebody who was retired military and they asked if he could adopt them because of, they could have his medical benefits through his retirement. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, well, you know, that's more than I can afford to pay in child support. So I signed the document. And after I signed the document, I don't realize it. I have no right to see these children anymore. Of course, they grew up feeling abandoned by me, and, you know, rightfully so. I absolutely understand them feeling that. And um, 2004, the second oldest of these four girls reached out to me and got to be close to her. Then, you know, through family pressure and stuff, she backed out of the relationship, and that went back and forth for a little bit. Then um, my granddaughter was born 2006. But uh, it was about that time that she reached out again. My wife said, uh, oh, honey, she's a social worker. Oh, honey, you should respond to her. I said, uh, this is what right before right before uh, we got married and I says I don't know about that and, and told her the history and she just she's all about relationships and bonding those relationships and growing them together and she did it you know kept saying it kept saying it kept saying it. I said finally okay I'll do it but when it happens again I'm going to say I told you so and it happened again when this granddaughter was about two years old. And I was getting pretty close to her then. Then um, she was pregnant with my grandson when the relationship ended again. 2017, forward a few more years. I'm at home on time off and my wife just brings this daughter's name up and says, what are you going to do if she ever contacts you again? I says, I don't think I can go through that again. And she just, Oh, I understand. I was, what? <laughs> the next morning I'm saying my prayers and in the middle of my prayers, I mean, it's just like you're hearing my voice right now. I heard this. I said, pray for your children. My children, they don't want anything to do with me. I don't have children. No. It came again. Pray for your children. And each time the voice got more firm, more directing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a suggestion anymore. It was, you've got to do this. I said, okay, I'll do it. I can't remember what I said. All I know is I, I did it. Mm -hmm. Next day, I'm going to work. I don't have, I'm based in Houston, live in Vegas. I don't have a flight till that evening. So I was able to commute out the same day down to Houston, worked flight to Detroit, overnight in Detroit, went back to Houston that next morning and deplaning. My phone rings. It's a number I didn't recognize. It was this, this same daughter. And her, well, it was her ex-husband then, was in an automobile accident and killed. Oh, man. My grandson was in the car with him. He was in a coma in a hospital, his front split wide open, his organs exposed, several broken bones. They didn't know if he was going to live or not. He's doing great. He's doing great now, by the way. But he had been living in Florida with his father. And my daughter and granddaughter had been living up in the Northeast. So, you know, of course, they came, both came down to Florida to be there. And she said that her sisters couldn't make it out there to be with her. Her mother couldn't make it out there to be with her. And she just needed someone to be there. I says, I'm on the next flight. And I didn't try to jump seat or anything. I didn't do the standby routine. I bought a ticket. Fort Lauderdale to be there for. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, but that brought my granddaughter and my grandson into my life. My granddaughter, you know, not once did this child say to me, Grandpa, where have you been? 
And I was expecting that every every time we got together for a while, she's she, I thought, oh, she's going to ask it. She's going to wonder why haven't mm-hmm. I been there for her? And it, she never did. She just accepted me and she loved me. And that's the kind of person that she was. Wow. And so that's tragedy number two. Mm-hmm. Of course, tragedy number three. Mm-hmm was when she ended her life but the miracle from that second tragedy was my daughter came back into my life she's still in my life and that's been several years ago now she calls me on a regular basis we text and i do video conferencing with my grandson and i got to spend a lot of time with my granddaughter we took her to hawaii when she was 12 years old we uh had both her and her brother down went to universal studios and had them in our home uh, she was here for right before Christmas one time, help us put up a Christmas tree. And it's, you know, just that wonderful experience of having them in my life. Miracle number two, June 10, 2022. The most tragic event of all was her ending her life. Remember, I said that my my other daughters didn't want anything to do with me, and they they all have children, of course. The funeral home in this small town had asked people to send in pictures of my granddaughter. They received hundreds of pictures. The funeral home handpicked a few of those to put to put a video together. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody had a hand at it but the funeral home who didn't know any of us, really. Three-fourths of those pictures in this video was my granddaughter with us in Hawaii, Universal Studios, in our home. Now, all of a sudden, all these other grandchildren know who I am. Hmm. I was, you know, mentioned in the in the services. And uh, so they all know who I am. One song during the during the funeral, I'm sitting directly behind my daughter that I'd been drawn close to. Behind me was her oldest sister, next to one of her children. And I'm leaning forward during this song, and I'm just. I'm just crying. And I feel a hand on my back starting to rub my back. And then these other smaller fingers just rubbing me like on my back too. I I knew who it was. I just, that made me cry even more. I imagine. And then after, and before that, my oldest daughter, you know, that when we were out there for the funeral the only thing she had done or said to me just is hello but then here she is comforting me mm-hmm. and after the services I'm standing next to my granddaughter's body and crying and a child from my youngest daughter came up to me this sweet <laughs> Beautiful little girl, and she was, do you need a hug? (laughs) Yes, I do. The internment was the following day after the funeral. And later on that day at the hotel room, I get a message that one of my grandchildren from my oldest daughter wants, wants to meet me. Next day at the at the cemetery, I the son of my youngest daughter come up to me and says, "Can I hug you?" I said, "Yeah." And my um, wife tells me, wife tells me, says, uh, "You realize that this is Father's Day, and all four of your daughters are here." 
Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it just only my wife would have come up with that one. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how she looks at things. She's got to find you know something good, and that just and that was just such. It was such. And kids just they have a way of changing your heart. Oh, I know. My it's. Can I tell you something real quick? And it, I mean, it. My grandfather passed away naturally, but uh-huh. you know he was my father figure. I spent a lot of my childhood with my grandfather, and when he passed away, it hit me really hard. And I, I was crying my eyes out, and my oldest grandson. He came up to me and mind you, I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt. Okay. (laughs) He comes up to him and he says, Paul, Spider-Man doesn't cry. (laughs) It just kind of broke that sadness for a moment with children. Children can change your heart. And oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's the, the granddaughter that wanted to meet me. My oldest daughter brought her up after the services, you know, and, and this grandchild, you know, heard about me and, you know, what I was like back then. Mm-hmm. As my oldest daughter would, would call me the bad dad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so this, this granddaughter is 16 years old. Looks like she's 11 or 12. <laughs> Little thing. We get introduced by her mother. And this sweet young lady looks at me and says are you a good man now (laughs) and it felt so peaceful to be able to look in this child's eyes and say yes i am she's good then she gave me a hug this this young lady and i text almost every day now oh that's awesome and she is polar opposite of what my other granddaughter was like my other granddaughter, you know, you'd have to pull things out of her from time to time and, you know, just a little bit more reserved. The one that I recently met, polar opposite. I mean, it's it's out there. <laughs> old, old grandpa finds out every month when her cycle starts. <laughs> Oh Lord, <laughs> honey, I don't know. Your old grandpa doesn't need to hear about. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? That's just—it makes me laugh to think of that, and you know how that relationship is growing. And it's so tragedy three, miracle three. Yeah. How could I not name my podcast "The Miracles of Tragedy"? Is to me those are some of the some of the worst moments of things that have happened to me in my life. But I found hope. I found goodness amongst my, during my darkest times. Can can we take a moment to talk about another aspect of this? Because when someone ends their life, uh, you know, it, it, it hits you harder than if somebody just passed away naturally. So when it, comes to people that do decide they can't go on there's a survivor's guilt and i had that bad with with my brother i did you know i I'm, i haven't always been a good person and i was like you i drank a lot and i started drinking and doing drugs when i was 12 years old and it got you know, it just was kind of a fun, everything, every once in a while kind of thing to do. And then it got to be, uh, we get, we had to do that every weekend with our friends. And then it got to be an actual habit and addiction. And I think of how I hurt my kids when they were growing up because dad was drunk or stoned all the time. And, you know, I wasn't, as attentive as I should have been. I wasn't the role model that they needed. And I think, why am I still here? Because my brother was, 
he was everything I wasn't, you know, he, he was, he was the fun loving one. He very talented, you know, he mm -hmm. taught himself how to play guitar and everybody just loved him. He was wonderful to be around and I was a jerk. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I I'd wasted my talents. I was a talented artist and I just, just didn't care. All right. I cared about was having fun, and on, especially on the weekend when I wasn't working. I was outside barbecuing, and I was drinking. Right. And so why am I still here? It always rings through my head. Even to this day, I still question, why am I still the one here when here's this wonderful person that's not here? Right. And I know a lot of people go through that. Did you ever experience that? Well, not, not like that. The one thing that, you know, I, I didn't do that. If only I would have done this, or if only she would have done this. But I, I did have that feeling at first, you know, that first, she, my granddaughter called me a lot. I've got, I've saved a lot of her voicemails. You know, if I was flying, of course I couldn't answer. And, and some of her voicemails, she left me like one of them, you know, it's just like, hi, grandpa, just come and say hello. You know, things like that. And then one of them says, grandpa, my brother's being, a is being difficult. <laughs> and could you call and talk to him? Cause he always laughs when he talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I always told her, no matter what, no matter what she was going through, that if she ever needed to talk about anything, anything, she could call me. And she always felt comfortable doing that. But she didn't. And I just always wish, why didn't she call me? Yeah. And her mother was downstairs when this horrific event happened. Mm. And of course my, my daughter has those feelings, you know, why couldn't she talk to us? She didn't even know what was going on until that next morning. And that's, When we were out there for the services, my wife and I both thought, how can they stay stay in that house with where that horrible event happened? Yeah. And then just a few weeks ago, my daughter told me that they found a found a new house out in the country on, on an acreage. And she texted me yesterday that they close on the twentieth. So <laughs> they're <laughs> getting out of that house. My daughter works from home. Uh, she teaches teaches writing at a couple different colleges online. And she has to walk through that room to get to her office every single day. Mm. Yeah. So she's going to be so glad to get out of there and I don't blame her. I, I, I would have found a way out way before that. Yeah. Yeah. My mom sold our, our old house and then my, my grandpa cut that tree down. Cause it was at my grandpa's house where he did it. Where my, me and my, my uh, brother. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't imagine having to have that reminder every day. Oh, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's already still in here. Yeah. And even though this was 23 years ago, in fact, this last January it was 23 years ago that my brother did what he did, and I still cry over it from time to time. Oh, you always will. When uh, you hear you hear people say that have lost a child, that there's nothing worse than losing a child. I've lost a child, yeah. but when my granddaughter ended her own life, and you're talking about it being different, yeah, that was far more painful to me. You know, and the loss of my daughter was horrific for me. But the loss of my granddaughter 
the way it happened was far worse. And so, yeah, it's different. It's different. But when my daughter was sick, it reminded me, I, I called a friend of mine who'd lost his son in an automobile accident. And I says, Johnny, how do you get through this? And he says, that's just it, Colin. You get through it. You'll never get over it. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, I just want everyone that's either listening to this or watching this to know that there is, there's plenty of resources out there to get the help that you need. If you're feeling like you can't go on, please don't, don't go through with that. Get, talk to someone. A lot of times these problems is as major as they may be. It is a temporary thing and you can get, you can get help from someone. I mean, you can Google it. Uh, I'm going to put some numbers and uh, other resources in the description of the video. And for heaven's sakes, you carry a computer in your hand <laughs> every day. Google it. You can find resources there as well. So, 988. Uh, yeah, look at there, 988. Remember that number. I mean, I will even post that as well. What what is your website, Colin? Uh, which one? <laughs> well, you can get both of them. Okay. Well, it's the word that you know. Uh, well, we can't say. <laughs> yeah. So stop. S U I D. Oh, S U I D. I. Oh no! S U I C I D E. Yeah, S-U-I-C-I-D-E. Mm -hmm. So stop S-U-I-C-I-D-E dot life and stop teen S-U-I-C-I-D-E dot life. And, um, and then my, you can find my, my podcast, The Miracles on, of Tragedy on any of the major outlets, you know, whichever, whichever one that you want to use. What, do you have like a launching site for me? I have Buzzsprout. I, I use Buzzsprout, yes. Okay. Uh, if I could get your Buzzsprout link, I'll be glad to share that. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you that. And I'm really trying to build up my stuff on uh, Apple right now. Uh, send, send me that. Okay. And, I'll you know, be glad get, to share it. You know, if you get those, get those downloads and positive comments, on Apple Podcasts, it seems like you just you start growing up in the ranks, from what I've been told. Well, I'm gonna tell you what; it's been a blessing to me. For some reason, here this last month, it's been growing like crazy on there. And Good. I've, I've been kind of focusing on my YouTube channel, but all of a sudden, boom! Apple Podcasts seems to be my number one. I was getting like 500 downloads. In, in just like a couple of hours of time. Wow. I got, I got that first email that says, you have 4,000 downloads. And then an hour or two later, <laughs> you have 4,500 downloads. And the next day I wake up to, you have 5,000 downloads. I'm like, what? This is crazy. It's a miracle. <laughs> well, I, 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 was, I was excited to pass the 200 mark yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had this up for several years, but. You know, it's it's nice to finally be getting some attention out there. Yeah, I um, when I first started mine in September last year, I was kind of, you know, I'd do an interview here with somebody interviewed there. Then in the end of February or first of March is when I got on to Podmatch where you and I cross paths. Yeah, and I've got two three interviews every day, whether it's on somebody else's podcast as a guest or my own podcast. And pod match is just, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm tell you what, I've been on a several different apps like matchmaker.fm. I don't know yeah. if you've been on that one. Yeah. And, you know, I get a little bit of attention on there, but nothing like pod match. And I, I still say they should pay me uh, for endorsement because <laughs> I recommend pod match to, to everyone, whether you're doing a podcast or you're looking for guests, that is 
And if you're a premium member, which I think is $6 a month, you get paid for doing these interviews. So Yeah, there's two different levels of the premium, and I'm on the higher level. I'm, uh, I'm on the lower tier. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, you might make uh, double the commission with me then today. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> now, I noticed I didn't see any uh, social media on your, your Podmatch profile. Or do yeah, you... I need to add that, but I just, I don't have many followers on social media yet. So it's, I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed to put that up there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to start somewhere. Um, yeah. You know, send me those links as well. I'd okay. love to share that in the description. Okay. okay. We'll we need it. to, we need to help these folks like you out and get, get the word out. Cause there are people out there that are suffering, whether it's depression or other mental illnesses that they, they need resources. They need help and they need to know that other people out there are thinking about them and what you're doing. It it can help a lot of people. So that's why we need to spread Thank the you. word. Oh, the uh, gatekeeper uh, program that the, the QPR gatekeeper, mm-hmm. go to qprinstitute.com. The certificate that I got where they call it the QPR uh, question persuade. Mm-hmm refer it's an hour-long course costs 29.95 or just say 30 dollars takes you an hour to get it and you're certified and what it does it teaches you how to talk to people who are in this situation and how to get them to understand that you know they can get help and they should get help mm-hmm. and then explains to you how to how to talk to somebody the correct correct way to question and then the correct way to get them help which in the easy, the best case scenario is not just refer them, but take them to the appointment yourself. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that some folks, when they're talking to someone who is asking for help, they're a little judgmental. Yeah. You cannot be that. You've got to be, you've got to understand, try to understand what they, what they are truly feeling. Yeah. As I said before, with my analogy, what might seem like a little cut could be a major problem in the end. So if someone's reaching out to you, do everything you can to be sympathetic and to help them to, to get the help they need. And and don't try to play like you're the therapist because that's not going to do them any good as well. Just listen, let them talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let them know that you love them. Yeah, and that's another thing that's important. Always ask if they want your opinion. If if they don't ask for their your opinion, just let them talk. Oh, and one of the myths about this mm-hmm. topic is that if you bring that topic up to somebody and they've had it on their mind, that they're more inclined to do so. That is a myth. Because... If you feel somebody is in that way, ask them point blank. Are you planning to do this? Do you have thoughts of doing this? Ask them point blank. And they'll open up and they'll talk. Yeah, we we have to do everything we can. Don't don't live with that regret. And well, Unfortunately, we have come to the end of the show, and as much as it's going to definitely help me out in the long run, uh, as far as monetization and all that other garbage, the, the reason why I'm asking you today is to share this out is because I, I want to get more of, of, of Colin out there and what he's doing, because it's going to help him. Go to his channel, give him a review, like it, and and check out his website. And not only to help him, but to help others that need the help. So, Colin, thank you so much for sharing your day with me. And I, I, I appreciate, again, what you're doing. And I appreciate you folks out there as well. 
if you are new to this channel, I'd ask that you please subscribe, come back, like, share, and for my regulars, thank you for allowing me to be able to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.